Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, here at Bloom Baby Bloom, which is what I call is straight talk from now or never kind of women over 50. And I am very happy and thrilled to be here today with Kim Hammer from Sutra Imports. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to talk with you, Colleen. Oh, it's really great uh, for, to be here, and, and I am really excited to hear, have you share uh, some of your stories um, over you know, how you've evolved and, and uh, made a lot of transitions over the last, uh, well, since you turned 50, really. Um, let me just say a few things about Kim. You own Sutra Imports. You live in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Sutra Imports is a fair trade and handmade um, artisan shop in Dakota, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota. Excuse me, that's right, Kim. Dakota. Yes, that's right. Okay. I'm I'm now using the word Sutra Global Imports to describe okay. my business. Okay, Sutra Global Imports, where you go and personally hand select uh, and meet the artist for um, all of your products that you sell in your shop. And you also lead tours, which we will definitely have you uh, share, tours to Bali and anywhere else in the um, future here? In India as well. Uh, India and Bali, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and you also had many years of servicing uh, clients as a massage therapist there in La Crosse. Let's go ahead and just start, Kim, with your entering uh, your time of year uh, of huge transition where you dealt with the loss of your partner, Jazz. And you were 50 at that time. It's, a, it's a, just a, you know, death is a huge, uh, makes a huge impact on our lives. What would you like to say about um, your time before Jazz died, knowing you know you were going to be alone afterwards, um, any trials and tribulations during that time? Uh, anything you want to say about that, as well as being 50 years old? Sure. Um, Jazz and I both uh, lived together in the country. We had been together for over 12 years, and we had a business together, uh, a bodywork uh, massage business, and. Um, I think one of my biggest fears uh, was uh, living alone in the country. We were on a um, steep gravel road leading to our farm, and I think that was one of you know the kind of the practical part about like how do I manage this farm and this road in Wisconsin winters? And she died in early January, so I knew mm. it was feeling a little bit bleak on that that front. That was definitely one of my big fears. Mm-hmm. So, um, I also, um, when I first, when we first discovered she had cancer, I just prayed and prayed and prayed that she would be alive to see spring again. And unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. her cancer progressed very quickly, and she died within just six weeks of the diagnosis. So, it was a pretty um, whirlwind, you know, scary time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten years, nearly ten years ago now. Okay. I'm curious, uh, because I've been a hospice volunteer for six years, 
was there any kind of um, oh spiritual dream you had before she died uh, or any encounter with her that was deeply spiritual before she died that you would be willing to share? Sure, I can't even believe you're asking that because um, Mm -hmm. just um, two nights before her surgery, I had this dream that I had won the lottery and um, the surgery was where it was revealed that she truly had cancer. So that's um, the unfolding there. Um, I'd won the lottery, and I remember so distinctly that all the numbers added up to nine. And so that became um, like almost like numerologically, this number nine kept mm-hmm. repeating again and again, like her hospital room was, um, at, those numbers added up to nine. And I looked into numerology a little bit, and nine is a number of completions. So I knew, mm-hmm. I mean, there was part of me that knew that I was going through um, you know, the ending of one cycle of my life. It was, you know, very, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a dream I can remember right now. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. So mm-hmm. so that actually kind of led me later to start making um, prayer beads that are called malas that are also based on the number nine. So I kind of carried that dream into some art making that was very meaningful for me um, so that's, you know, a little bit, you know, fast forward where that number nine went to over time. And and you were making the malas, I'm assuming that there was, um, you know, intention at, while you were creating the malas, you had some kind of intention for that? Yes, no? Yes, you know, um, Malas are a way to focus your attention, and I one of the challenging things after she died was that I had complete lack of ability to focus. And I, I, re, I can remember also the first book I read um, after she died that where I was actually able to focus on words one after the other was the book Eat, Pray, Love. Um, mm. And so my life has become a little bit like Eat, Pray, Love, so it's kind of one of those quirky things where... Um, you know, if I knew now, you know, I didn't know that as I was reading it, but it was uh, simply enough written that I really resonated with it and could focus. So, but malas are a wonderful tool tool for focus if um, people are looking for a way to more easily meditate. You know, they're like a rosary or prayer bead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had you ever worked with malas before? Um, I was familiar with them. Um, Jeff and I had trekked in Nepal about 10 years before she died. Uh, actually, yeah, 10 years before she died. And, um, and I still have the mala that she bought, um, which is a mala made out of rude ruksha seeds, which is the mala of the Hindu god um, Shiva. And he's the, the god that is most represented with um, the death that is necessary for rebirth to occur. And I, I wear it a lot. Now I'm wearing on my wrist. I wrap it around and it, it fits perfectly like four or five layers of, you know, when I wrap the beads again and again, it's 108 beads. And, um, and I feel like she goes with me into the future. But her death actually became the impetus for me to recreate the life I, that I have now. I, um, I'd been a massage therapist for 20 years and um, she was very tied to the farm and wasn't really 
um, as interested in I that I was in travel. And so um, after she died, you know, my world kind of opened up for, you know, all possibilities, which is both, I have to say, <laughs> terrifying and exhilarating in a good way. Uh, um, you know, that sense of, you know, everything is possible is something that I think carries incredible anxiety and incredible opportunity. You know, it's like that Chinese character for crisis. I think it's, um, is based on the danger plus opportunity, and that's exactly what my life felt like at that time. Oh, danger plus opportunity. Um, I can imagine, I can only imagine that um, before the rebirth of, of uh, your life occurred, that that phase of grief, the year or years of grief that one goes through after losing their partner um, is, is you can't probably describe it to somebody because you have to know, you have to experience what that's like. Um, but it sounds like you knew you wanted to make changes in the direction of travel um, and did you have support from people, Kim? Did you have, uh, as you were starting to kind of claim your own way in the world, uh, as you were rebirthing yourself, did you have support? Did you have critics uh, when you maybe were telling people you wanted to travel? Uh, what, what was that like? And then how did you honor yourself at that time? Yeah. Um, I think I'm one of these rare people that had maybe not rare, but I had an incredible amount of support on a lot of different levels. I, um, You know, sometimes you feel like you've set up your life for just this moment, but you didn't know why you were setting your life up. And I looked around, mm-hmm. and I have so many friends who are nurses and social workers and teachers and um, and doctors. I mean, I could go on. But all manner of people that, including people who work in the area of um, cancer and pain relief and death and dying and et cetera. And so I felt like um, there were I, there were very few moments where I got what I would call like the, those inappropriate responses to grieving. More often, and I would say like 98% of the time, I had such incredible support that I, you know, it just... Um, even though there were times like I literally, you know, burst out crying in public or fell to my knees because I was just so gripped with the grieving that um, I I just had so much support. And I also also had the feelings of anger as well. And so, you know, I was in that space. I remember like, okay, if you're not with me, <laughs> get out of my way because... Um, <laughs> you know, I go, you know, like that doesn't work for me. And so I did a lot of slashing and burning, I think. And also, you know, in grieving um, the loss of a partner, um, I found that there were friendships that sadly didn't work for me anymore because they were based on myself as a couple and as a particular couple. So, you know, I think, you know, sadly for me and other people, there were friendships that dropped aside even though, you know, they were supportive in their own way, but that it just didn't fit as my life moved forward. And um, 
what I tried to do, I think, is to try to make meaning of the loss, and that, for me, was a great way to have, like, to kind of internalize my own support. Like, um, and that's what prompted me, actually, to take the risks I did to let go of massage. That was not an easy transition. And mm-hmm. actually, I worked with a life coach, and, you know, even to let go of one day a week of doing massage and one day's worth of clients a week was a huge um, scary proposition for me. Um, so, but but what I felt like was like, you know, if I can't make meaning of this, then it's for naught, you know. And I and I think I have that feeling about life in general. Like if there isn't, especially about harsh things we go through. Like if we can't make some meaning of it, like what's the point of going through this if I don't take it and create something. Um, new or better or, you know, move forward in some way. That's me. You know, that's that was kind of my philosophy. But I also believe that we need to regularly um, take risks. Otherwise, we become smaller and smaller and smaller people. And so I've done a ropes course, you know, high ropes course mm, for your... Sure. On uh, very thin wires high above the earth and... You know, I don't like it. I'm afraid of heights, but I've done it three times and um, not been easy. But I, but I think those are the things that I, that's one example of one way that I think, you know, we can take on kind of a safe adventure or a safe risk that um, strengthens us. And empowers us and, and adds to... Um, uh, to this creating meaning in your life. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so let's, thank you so much. Those are um, lovely philosophies and uh, to, for, to share with other people. So you you've have um, support as you go through the grieving process. You found making malas as a way to give yourself some kind of focus during the grieving time and you read the book Eat, Pray, Love, which that chapter on love takes place in Bali, right? Yes. yes. And she so, prays in India. So. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yes. did you make a trek then by yourself? How did tell us then how you went into the rebirthing of your business, Sutra, Global imports. Okay, so the, um, what what unfolded was that um, I started studying life coaching, and like a lot of people in helping professions, we do something under the guise that we think we're doing it for other people, but it ends, <laughs> it ends up being our own healing <laughs> that happens. So I'm classic in that regard. So I'm, a, I'm thinking, ah, you know, um, I worked with a life coach. I think life coaching could be a good field beyond massage. And I took a workshop called Discover Your Life Purpose with, uh, you know, somebody that you know, actually. Um, and um, what I really, and I what I got in touch with is this statement, and I still use it today because I think it's really powerful. What I really want is, and I kind of filled in my own blank, I want work that um, involves art and travel and um, like an ethic that is more um, fair, like a fair trade kind of ethic. i kind of not sure I use those words, but an ethic that was honoring of artisans and you know honoring of people in general. And... Um, 
And the person I said that to actually knew somebody who did work like this and said, hey, you should get in touch with, um, her name is Marion Nelson, and, um, you know, talk to her about her business. And I did that, and literally within a week I had a ticket to travel to Bali. Um, I, I proverbial what is that word, I proverbially cashed in my life insurance policy. I don't have children. I thought, why do I need life insurance? You know, life is uncertain. I cashed in that policy and bought a ticket and um, was in Bali within, I don't know, maybe three months less, two to three months from that moment. Amazing. And I applaud (laughs) all of that. That is amazing. Yes. I think I, I've always said one really good question is worth a thousand answers, and I think it's really true. I think, and that's of course you know a hallmark of coaching. But I, I really believe it's true. I think we each of us has our own wisdom within us, and that a good, good solid question can pull that out. In a you know, and it was very helpful for me. Well, you you follow through, Kim. I mean, like you. Um Again, that's sort of that making meaning. You you uh, reflected on that question. You gave yourself the answers of art, travel, and um, you know, I think honoring uh, women uh, artists. And uh, then you followed through. In other words, um, the like I call uh, there's a part of me that's a scary cat. Uh, it's not all, all of who I am, but there it wants to present itself. That scaredy cat part of me wants to present itself um, uh, as the leader in my life at times, and I have to really take uh, action to say, "Okay, wait, 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 scaredy cat, it's not your turn." This, you know, the real soul me needs to be the leader here. So, how did you did you trip up over fears at that time, or um, how how was that for you? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Did I do what? Did you trip up? I use the word. Did you trip up over any fears at that time? Um, Or it sounds like you didn't. (laughs) Well, I definitely had fears along the way, but it wasn't stepping into this trip. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So it was more like, I'll check this out. I love to travel. Um, I've always had this dance in my life between art and health as my two main interests. And so, um, I mean, in retrospect, I think I was like, okay, yeah, I've done a health-related field for 20, 25 years, and now maybe I can turn to my next 20 uh, focused on art. But um, I wasn't so much afraid to travel except you know you when you travel with a person (laughs) there you you all go you know you take every you know neurotic and beautiful tendency with you Um, (laughs) and so to travel alone with another person I didn't know very well was a little you know unnerving because she was in charge of the trip and I didn't know her very well and she's an aging person so you know when she had you know health issues come up or mobility issues you know, I had to step up to the plate. So um, mm-hmm. it worked out okay. I ended up doing a kind of an internship with her for a year and then turned my attention to establishing my own um, business and vision. So that was kind of the mm-hmm. unfolding. But, um, okay. but I did gain a lot of confidence traveling with her. 
Okay. So talk, so tell us about your uh, Sutra Global Imports and your vision for it and uh, all the exciting and very cool offerings that you have at Sutra Global Imports. Sure. I'd be so happy to do that. Um, I feel Sutra Global Imports is um, basically a store with a story. Um, each item in the store is handmade and hand-selected, so it's a specially curated collection. And um, my focus is working with both artisans as well as artisan groups. So, um, and yet there's moments when I just buy from somebody in a, a street, a bazaar on the street. So, um, but by and large, um, I've tried to um, have a broad range of offerings, although the word sutra itself means thread. and uh, my background, my um, bachelor's degree is in textile design, so I'm kind of coming back to my roots in a way by offering a lot of threads, meaning um, mm-hmm. hand-woven, hand-spun, hand-natural-dyed, embroidered, um, tie-dyed from India, um, special kinds of weaving and dyeing called ikat. So um, those form you know, a good portion of what I offer at Sutra Global Imports, but I also have... Um, garden statues, um, wood carvings, sacred objects, clothing, jewelry, you know, so that there's something for everyone. It's a little bit of a dis- department store um, with a fair trade ethic. Mm. And I've and staged you have, it in, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've staged it in a renovated barn, so it's a really beautiful setting right in a small town, although... Um, you know, it's in a barn, so it is very much like stepping into another world. Two stories well, of a renovated barn. Well, I was there a couple of summers ago when I was living in Wisconsin, and it's so inviting. Uh, I parked my car. I, it, I'm immediately drawn to the, the garden you have outside your store, the beautiful uh, prayer flags, the sculptures that you said, and, and I just wanted to take my time walking through the garden area, looking at all the gorgeous objects you have there, and then uh, walking into your store. It's just, um, it's very rich in color and so much to look at. Um, and is that also where you offer your events that you hold? And, and talk, tell us a little bit about events that you have there. Sure. Um, yes, it's the same location, and um, my hope is later on this fall I'm going to have a dedicated space, a dedicated classroom for um, larger and more in-depth events. But what's planned for the near future um, mm-hmm. is um, two workshops. One is to explore um, the culture and history and actually do indigo dyeing using um, a kind of ancient um, wrapping and folding technique. So it's a little bit like tie-dye, but very elevated, um, called shibori. So that workshop is planned for October. And um, prior to that, um, one of my colleagues now at my shop um, is a woman who used to own a beautiful fabric store in a small town. And um, she and I will co-teach a workshop on Kantha, it's K-A-N-T-H-A, for people wanting to um, check out what that is online. Uh, And Kantha is what I would call the simplest embroidery stitch, which is just a running stitch. So there's this beautiful movement of of foot in the world of doing, um, it's sort of like conscious mending where you use running stitches and the mending 
is a visible um, is visible on the clothing. Um, but kanta can also be used on any kind of quilt, um, which are actually also really popular right now. These recycled sari quilts or recycled fabric quilts that come from India that I also have at my shop. So we're going to be exploring uh, stitching in another workshop. So by and large, though, most of the workshops are either um, book readings of general interest to um, mostly women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond, um, or um, they fall into the um, area of either a textile design or a maker kind of craft. Mm. Very unique. Those are incredibly unique offerings. Yeah, I'm very excited about the, the two classes coming up. And, um, and just last Saturday, um, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, offered a class in block printing. So using traditional wood carved blocks that are used for well, some of the listeners might remember those Indian um, tablecloths or bed covers we used to have back in the 70s. <laughs> um, well, that, those kind of blocks are hand carved by artisans in India. So um, we held a workshop on a, just this last Saturday on using those blocks to make anything people brought, T-shirts, uh, prayer flags, um, just running fabric and so forth. Very fun elephant images and camels and mandala circle images. Very fun class. Oh, well, making art together in a group is always inspirational and uh, beyond just the creative moment. It's just collect, you know, being in a collaborative uh, element. And um, so, how about talking about your tours? And this is these are they sound so exciting to me. Uh, very excited. So what do you want to tell us about Bali and India, touring with you? Sure. Um, I've been leading tours about six or seven years. I co-led with my mentor, Marion, um, three tours and then kind of launched on my own. And now the tours have evolved so that um, this coming year, the Bali tour will include um, a leg that people who want more of a yoga yoga focus can go for five days at a beachside um, cottages and take yoga each day for those five days. Or um, you can choose a leg or a pathway that is more art focused, both um, making art, um, going to artisan village villages to see wood carving and stone carving and other kinds of um, handwork still done as they've been doing for generations. Um, and I really try to make the tours affordable. Um, they're very exciting. The Bali tour especially, when I was in Bali this last year because there's, the food is very clean. There's lots of juice available. You can get massage and facials and you know, haircut, your nail done, all kinds of spa kind of scrubs and treatments fairly inexpensively. Um, so it becomes a little bit like a cleansing kind of retreat, um, but a very yummy, delicious one. Lots of time in the pool or snorkeling. So um, that's, I would say, a true um, optimally self-care kind of holiday. And um, so this adding on of the yoga arm with a teacher I know from Minnesota is very exciting to me because I think it gives people the chance do they want and you know my focus the health realm or a, you know deepening their yoga practice um, or do they want more art focused so 
that's mm. pretty exciting for me. So that tour will happen in late February. Um, if people are interested, may I say my website? Yes, name? I was going to have you give the yes. Go right ahead. Okay, it's um, Sutra S U T R A Imports dot com, and imports is with an S. So just one word, lowercase, sutraimports.com. And there's a tab there called Travel with Kim. So that describes in depth uh, the Bali tour in a kind of a bullet point sort of fashion so you get a lot of detail. Um, and then my, uh, my second offering is, um, and this happens prior to the Bali tour, is a, a tour to India. And both tours actually are... a pretty close to two weeks in length where people um, take those two weeks off work, maybe one extra day, but it um, doesn't bleed into three weeks. So it makes it you know, pretty easy for working people who have a traditional schedule to go. Um, the India tour is very um, culture-focused um, in terms of viewing and touring through different architectural um, elements like forts and palaces and going to see the Taj Mahal, um, going to temples. Um, and it's in, most of the tour will be in a desert area. We start out in Delhi and have a day with a, photo- a professional photographer who can give us instruction and tips on taking excellent travel photos that day while touring through some of the iconic Delhi sites. And then after that, the next morning, we um, get into our private car and head into a desert area where there's a lot of beautiful handmade objects of beauty from, again, architecture and temples, mosaics and stone carvings to textiles and pottery and other art forms. Um, Mm. Yes. Again, you very... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's all good. I was just going to say, unique tours in exotic places, but um, you're sharing the culture with your um, customers. You are sharing the, the culture by beyond just food and the sights and sounds, but in, involved with the art and as well as um, some healing and re- refreshing experiences in the Bali area and arena. And, oh, it just sounds yummy and delicious. Is that what you said? I like <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yes, yummy and delicious on all accounts. So India, too, has amazing food, and we always order family style, meaning, you know, through the course of the trip, um, by the end, you will have experienced a lot of different kinds of food. And we make the spicing according to the what the group is wanting. Um, one of the beauties, I think, with traveling with me is that I've gotten to know people quite well. Like I know my drivers very well. Um, I've been invited into their homes. Um, we can do that with the travelers. You can have actually a truly authentic um, experience of that culture. But I also now... Um, know also uh, local guides um, that I go to again and again so that, you know, there's that authenticity with somebody who actually mm-hmm. is from the culture leading the educational parts of the tours. So um, I feel like my role is I sort of act as the holder of this 
safe uh, container of having adventures. That's my role mm. and making sure that I, you know, take any of the bumps out or, you know, make it as easy as possible. And then the local people actually do, you know, the best with educating and sharing an authentic experience. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then the, yes, go ahead. Well, one last thing is that um, there's always some interest in shopping when people go to these countries. <laughs> and so um, in Bali, uh, for those who buy something large, like a statue, which happened this year, um, I can arrange shipment with along with my shipment. And then in India, um, you know, give advice about, you know, how to um, pack accordingly and, you know, what to bring, what not to bring, and how you bring back you know, those five quilts that you bought along the way. But that's always an option. You know, I really encourage supporting local artisans there as well. So, it sounds like uh, you and uh, you have this very personal touch in, in, in the, within the whole um, experience because of dealing with the individuals, uh, your drivers, your tour guides, and the artists. And um, and you're having fun uh, and exploring and having adventures. So um, we are at the end of our time, Kim. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. It's very very inspiring to me and to others. Um, please visit Sutra. Imp- Excuse me. You say the the website. I apologize. It's okay, sutraimports.com. Very good. Okay, I was going to say sutra. Okay. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, Kim. Take care. Have, a great, have some great trips this year. Um, be well. Thank you so much, Colleen. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>